The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 179 of the podcast, where you're hanging out with us live here on YouTube. Today is Monday, March the 2nd, and you guys are probably wondering why we didn't do an episode on Sunday like we normally do right after the fights, and um, to tell the truth, it's my fault. I, I took the little one to Disney World for the weekend. I think I told you guys last week I'd be doing that, and I didn't know if there'd be a show or not. I just got home uh, from a, a long drive from Orlando back here to the Tampa Bay area. And what's the first thing I do? I drop my bags, and I call the only person I could think to call in a situation like this <laughs> all the way from New Jersey, Jeff. The animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this Monday night, my friend? Bill, I'm awesome. But not because of the card that we just had, but because of the card coming up, Bill. So let's get into it. Enough small talk. We got violence to discuss. Well, speaking of violence, Jeff, I, I, I got to keep it going with the small talk because <laughs> I, I witnessed something at Disney World that I have always wanted to see, and that is somebody get ejected from a park because I've always, I've always wondered what it was like because it, everything's always so friendly there and everybody, all the employees are all so nice because they have to be, or they'll get beaten or whatever <laughs> they do, <laughs> whatever they do to keep them in line. I don't know. Whatever they do to keep that place so clean and keep all the employees so friendly, it works. Um, but I always imagined it differently. Like, like somebody, there would be an unruly guest and, and like a bunch of people, would like swarm them but in their they're in like regular clothes and they'd be like oh sorry sir uh we're gonna have to ask you to have a magical time somewhere else today um <laughs> but just to show you there's no hard feelings we're gonna give you a an exclusive backstage tour and then they just bring them into some tunnel somewhere and then like push them into a hatch and he just gets <laughs> where it just shoots you out into the middle of a swamp and then <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then but before you're even dead out there they've erased your identity uh, because oh man it's when you when you buy a ticket they have to collect your fingerprints uh so that you can show that the ticket is it's actually you using the ticket that's how i always imagined it jeff they just you know they send you out in the swamp um with all the gators that they removed from the Disney properties over the years. And it's somewhere like miles away with some advanced technology. They shoot you out there with it. That's only been discovered in Japan. In any case, it, it wasn't like that at all. So this guy, I, I was waiting. Um, this was at Epcot, by the way. So at Epcot, they have the world showcase where it's all the different countries and you can go and, and do go on a little food and beer tour and stuff. We were meeting my wife's cousins there, so 
all of us got a dinner reservation in the Italy pavilion at this nice little Italian restaurant. It has a little wine bar off to the side. So we're standing in the, in the lobby, just this restaurant, you know, just thinking we're going to go in and have a nice plate of pasta, a little pizza for the kid. And, uh, it turned into a fiasco because this guy comes in, uh, heavier set guy, uh, he had on one of the Disney wristbands and, and a little backpack and he goes trying to go into the wine bar. And as he goes in, he goes to put his hand on, on one of the hostesses, like on her shoulder. And she looked terrified. Um, so then this other guy comes barging in behind him in a suit and stands in front of him, blocks his way of getting into the wine bar. And he's like, get out, get out right now. And we're looking around like, what? what's going on? And the guy, the guy's reaction was just as surprised as mine. And he's like, but, but this is Disney. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's awesome. And it was I just love so, this story already. It was just so innocent. He's like, but this is Disney. Like you're telling me to get out. And he's like, yeah, get out, get out right now. And he's like, but I just want to go in here. He's like, no, you can't get out. And he's like, but can you tell me why? He's like, you're being disruptive and, and you know why just get out get out you know so, why i, I don't know <laughs> so obviously there was some kind of exchange between these two on the outside of the restaurant and it spilled inside when he tried to go into the bar i don't know if the guy was drunk and and being belligerent outside or, or whatever but all i know is he came in he tried to put his hand on the hostess and um this other guy in the suit just lost his shit. Um, he was an older guy and he's just standing there and the guy won't leave. Um, so you think if it was innocent enough, he would just leave, but he kept pushing it. He's like, no, I want to, I want to go in there. He's trying to go into the wine bar. So he calls over the <laughs> calls over the bartender. Now in the world showcase, like pretty much everybody who works there comes from the country that they work in. So this is in the Italian pavilion. So it, everybody in there was is italian and and uh he calls over this big italian bartender <laughs> he's like giovanni come over here and he comes and the guy's like six foot four and he comes up behind him and he's like this guy is being unruly and the bartender's like what, what do you want me to do <laughs> <It's> like, well, <laughs> well, bartender and he just walks away <laughs> So then the, the guy getting kicked out goes to try and go through, go past the old dude again. And then the old dude is like, get out, get out. And he, he, the guy grabs his arm and he's like, if you touch me again, I'm calling the state police and you're going to jail. And I'm like, is that how this works? Like I always thought there was like Disney security that was on top of this stuff. Like if somebody's, if somebody's causing a disturbance, they get swarmed on, but we're at about like four minutes at this standoff <laughs> in the in the waiting room for this restaurant. I'm standing there holding my two year old, um, uh, too interested to to move away. And, and plus, our table wasn't ready yet. My wife is like, "Bill, you might have to step in and do something here." I'm like, "I'm not getting involved in this." Then it becomes my problem. Then I become this guy's handler. <laughs> like, I'm not. I, I'm not touching this issue at all. I don't want to end up in the shoot that goes out to the swamp when they finally <laughs> drag this guy down there. I'm not going down with him. Um, so the guy, he's like, I'm calling the state police. You're, and he's like, I just want to go in there. He's like, get out. Sh shut up. Get out. <laughs> I'm like, this can't be in the handbook for how they handle 
for how they handle disturbances at Disney. He's just like, he's just like, shut up, shut up, and get out. <laughs> and this this exchange went went on for like another couple of minutes, and then finally, um, a, a woman came who looked like she was pretty important. She was like one of the managers of the restaurant, and she she was yelling at him to leave. And then our table was ready, so. Um, I, I was no longer able to be a spectator for this one. So, but I had to like walk like right in between them to go, <laughs> to go walk to our table. But I've always wanted to see somebody get thrown out of Disney. I knew, uh, I knew being an annual pass holder would, would pay for itself eventually. Um, and it did this past weekend, Jeff. Um, I was so happy. I got to witness that. And, and <laughs> I just, it was so funny to me. The guy was just like, shut up, get out. <laughs> and that was, like, that's it. That's your tactic. That's like I, everything else here is so organized. You got a system for everything. You got 500 parking attendants to tell people where to talk, where to park, but you don't have like a protocol for throwing somebody out. It's just shut up, get out. <laughs> oh man. See, Bill, I would have thought they had this like super elite team of like Disney ninjas led by like Chuck Liddell and <laughs> and um and Randy Kotor. And they just like trained all these guys for just such a situation. No, they got Kevin from Nebraska. <laughs> he's he's 73 and he's a retired train conductor or some shit. Yeah, well, um, Kevin sounds like somebody not to fuck with, Bill. Shut up. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, man. Jeff, you must even have a better system at, at a school if there's like a, a disorderly student. You're like, shut up. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill, my, my system is three strikes and you're out and I talk to your parents and I give you attention. And then if that fails... I mean, I just talked to like the guidance counselor and I'm like, here, this kid's your problem. I, th I think that guy was just so thrown off when his the, the guy's first response was like, but this is Disney. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was Disney. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a war zone, motherfucker. Shut up. Get out. <laughs> oh, man. You done crossed the line. <laughs> um, <laughs> in any case, um, <laughs> oh man and and then on a personal note too jeff i've got some pretty gnarly cauliflower ear right now which which happens from from time to time when you train a lot of jujitsu so needless to say maybe it was just in my head but i felt like i was getting some weird looks being at disney world um and, and having this thing on my ear i'll show for the people on youtube right now oh so. yeah nice little, little bubble going there yeah yeah um so yeah, yeah, it's usually the same year, and I, I usually drain it, but I, I haven't gotten around to it. So for those of you who don't know what cauliflower is, I explain this from time to time. Basically, your ear is made up of cartilage, and sometimes the cartilage separates um, when, you, when you have a lot of friction rubbing against it or it gets pressed against your head. Cartilage separates, and it forms a little pocket that fills up with blood, and it feels just like a spongy little bubble. Um, and if you drain the blood out, um, usually it ends up looking okay. Um, you don't end up with like the full blown, um, you know, Randy rock hard ears. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Randy Couture or Khabib's got a pretty, uh, pretty disgusting one. Um, and, uh, 
you, you know, if you're a fighter, you kind of want that because it makes you look tougher, right? But if you're just like a regular dude like me, like a dad, like you don't want that shit on your face um, because you get weird looks when you take your kid to Disney World. And then um, I, I can't fight as well as the guys in the UFC and stuff. So I can't even, I can't even back up that cauliflower ear that well. Um, in any case, so I, I usually drain it, but I just didn't have time. So I'm walking around Disney with this thing on my ear and people either think like I'm a, I'm a fighter or I have the coronavirus or I don't know what they were thinking, but they were staying away from me, which um, I tend to prefer because I don't like big crowds, Jeff. Same here. People come up to me and I'm just like, shut up get out <laughs> yeah the weird uh, thing is bill you said that to me during a dinner party at your house one time <laughs> i know you haven't been welcome back since you're lucky i didn't put you in the shoot out to the swamp speaking of being put out to the swamp bill um i think that that's the situation that we find the ufc flyweight division in yeah, they've man. been abandoned They've been led down the chute and they're surrounded by killer crocodiles that want to grab hold of their limbs and do a death roll to break all their bones. Yeah. Yeah. I think all the flyweights are going to show up at, at Dana White's office um, at some point this week. And he's just going to be like, shut up, get out. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end. Um, exciting fight, exciting main event. Uh, of course, you're referring to uh, UFC Fight Night 169 from Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, and it was headlined by Davison Figueredo and Joseph Benavidez, uh, two top contenders in the flyweight division. And this fight was meant to be contested for what was going to be the uh, vacated flyweight championship. Like, as soon as the fight started, um, Henry Cejudo would be stripped. And... Um, <clears throat> and then the winner of this fight would be the champion. But unfortunately, Davison Figueredo, unlike most of this division, uh, wasn't able to make weight for the championship bout. So if he won, he which he did, uh, he wouldn't become the champion. Only Joseph Benavidez had the opportunity to become the champion. And uh, this, this started out as a great fight, and um, it ended in pretty epic fashion. I mean, <clears throat> you could argue that there was a, there was a clash of heads that that caused uh, Benavidez to be spraying blood, um, and, and he seemed very preoccupied with it. Kept wiping the blood away from his face and, and dropping his hands after doing so, and then he just got starched um, with a with a straight right hand from Figueredo and, and got put down, and then a couple of hammer fists after that 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 busted up his face even more. Um, so what? What turned out to be a very exciting fight um, is likely could have been the nail in the coffin for this flyweight division. Because what do you do now? Because here you guy, you have a guy who won the championship fight, but he can't be the champion because he missed weight. Um, you have a, a sitting champion who's never going to return to the division, and there had already been talks about just scrapping this division because it wasn't a money maker. Um, you know, if this fight happens a different way if Figueredo makes weight and the same fight goes down the exact same way uh you know we might be telling a different story today but he didn't and i don't know man now we got a a division that was already on the chopping block once without a champion so i, I don't know i don't know what you do here 
Um, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Well, I mean, I'm disappointed, man. Um, yeah, it was a good fight, but I, I felt really bad for Joseph Benavidez, man. You know, he's worked so hard. Um, he's one of the pillars in this flyweight division. Um, and, you know, he did really well in the bantamweight division, too, which when you consider how small he is physically, you know, how, you know, he's got short arms, he's a short person. Um, you know, it, it's, it astounds me how well he did as a bantamweight because, mm-hmm. um, you know, Figueredo looked like a whole weight class above him and dude i was you know i was just pissed off heading into this thing because you know figueredo knows he's got the opportunity of a lifetime here and he misses weight you Mm -hmm. know there's no reason for that and you know he's just celebrating with his camp or whatever uh he's talking about how he's the champion and yeah he would be the champion if it weren't for two and a half pounds so Mm -hmm. um I don't know what you do with this flyweight division, man. I'm I'm kind of over it. As far as I'm concerned, Triple C is still the champ uh, because nobody else has won it yet. Um, and, you know, I just feel for Joseph Benavidez, dude. Uh, but I felt like he went in there with the wrong game plan, dude. He mm. looked just a little too reckless. Um, he was going in head first for everything, uh, keeping his hands down tight to his body, which is, you know, it's good to avoid shots to the body, but um, I felt like he was playing into Figueredo's game. I think that Benavidez put a little too much pressure on himself um, to become flyweight champion, um, and, you know, it showed. You know, he was going in head first. He he was falling right into Figueredo's game because Figueredo did a great job of cutting corners, cutting off uh, the octagon for Benavidez, and a really good job of counter-striking, and counter-striking hard, man. Mm-hmm. Um, he was piecing Benavidez up every time he countered. And, Bill, um, the saddest part for me was seeing Megan Olivia upset at ringside at the end of all this. Of course, uh Joseph Benavidez's wife, Megan O'Levy, who is also a, uh, I guess, a, I guess you'd call her a broadcaster. Yeah. Because um, she does like the in between, uh, in between fights commentary kind of thing. Um, she's kind of taken on different roles over the years, but, but she's been involved uh, since way back in the day um, with the Fight Night Live on ESPN, like w- way before. The ESPN, I mean, on uh, Fox Sports, like way before ESPN was in the picture or anything like that. Uh, she's been involved a real long time, and she does a good job too. Um, yeah, man, I think Benavidez fought a lot more recklessly and a lot more aggressive than we're used to seeing from him because I think he knew he had to win impressively because he didn't want to become champion of a division that just gets cut. You know, he was he put. Um, he put saving this division on his shoulders and it was a little bit too much for him to bear. I mean, he probably could have gone out there and just outfought Figueredo, who is no walk in the park for anybody. I mean, this guy is dangerous. He's a fucking animal in there. Yeah. Um, apparently he's an animal at the buffet too. Cause he just can't, he can't make weight. I mean, 125 pounds, that's no easy task. I mean, this guy's five foot five. He's carrying a lot of muscle. Um, it, it can't be easy to get down to that weight. Uh, you, you know, it, you can only be so lean. You can only lose so much water weight. And especially as you get older, this guy's 32 years old. Uh, so I don't think it's sustainable for him. The thing I dislike the most, Jeff, is after the, after the fact, he was like, I should be the champ now. Who can tell me I'm not the champ? I won the fight. It's like, dude, fucking everybody can tell you you're not the champ. 
because you yeah. didn't make the championship wait. You didn't win a fight in the division that the championship was for. Like, why is this so difficult to understand? Now, there was a fight earlier that was a little more difficult to understand the result of, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But this is pretty cut and dry. You miss weight, you don't get the belt. Uh, this was explained to you beforehand, so I don't know why you would say after the fact, like, hey, I should be the champion right now. Um, no. And and I don't think anybody's afraid to tell you that. Yeah, because you're a 125-pound man. Uh, or you you should have been, but you weren't. Um, so that's that. Um, it, it's really unfortunate. And, you, you know, sadly, if they got rid of this division, not a lot of people would notice. You know, you'd have people would lose their minds on, like, Twitter. But you're talking about, like, maybe 10% of fight fans. Um, who are really hardcore, really into it, watching every single card. Um, 85 to 90% of people are just into it for like the big pay-per-views and they get together and they have a party and they don't know half the people who are fighting. Um, and, and that's it for them. Um, so out of that, like 10 to 15% that are hardcore fans, um, maybe like 20% of them will be outraged. So, I'm not too big on the mental math here, but you're talking about like 2% of fight fans overall. Um, and that's not enough to keep a division around. I hate to say, um, I don't want to see anybody lose their jobs, but I think a lot of these guys can move up to bantamweight because most of them don't make that 125 pound limit. Anyway, you I mean, look at Ray Borg. That guy's fought like 15 times at flyweight. He's made the weight like three times. Um, it's, it's, it's time to move on for a lot of these guys. Um, in any case, uh, that's all I got on that main event, Jeff, unless you got anything else. No. <laughs> all right. <laughs> co-main event, which I, I don't know why it was a co-main event, but uh, it was a good fight. Nonetheless, dominant performance by Felicia Spencer over uh, Zara Farron Dos Santos. And uh, she probably could have submitted her probably anywhere in the first three minutes of this fight, but she decided to go for broke on that TKO and just smashing Dos Santos on the ground with elbows and superior ground control, real heavy hips, had her pinned down to the mat. Um, black belt in jujitsu is Spencer. Uh, you know, probably could have grabbed an arm or a neck or, or whatever she wanted at any point there, uh, but decided to go for the TKO there. Jeff, give me your thoughts. Um, yeah, dude. So Felicia Spencer, you know, she looked good. Um, you know, uh, I didn't catch too much of this one, but I did catch the highlights and it looks like, um, you know, she just completely shut Dos Santos down. Um, you know, was in her face from the minute that the bell rang and, you know, she just did a good job. Um, and you know, Felicia Spencer, I, I had my doubts about her, Bill. Um, I didn't want to be too quick to jump on that bandwagon. But, you know, Zarin, uh, Farin Dos Santos, uh, no easy task, a very, very tough uh, Brazilian fighter. So good for her. You know, she went in there, um, was in her face for that first round and got the job done early. Good for her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And and Spencer is someone that... Uh that continues to get underestimated. I think her only loss is, is a uh, decision lost to cyborg. And she went to distance with her. I mean, um, he, you know, she, she got a little bit battered up in that fight, but uh, you know, she, she pushed her to the limit. Uh, we could be looking at somebody who could challenge the champ Amanda Nunez. I don't know what else she would have to do 
to prove that she's worthy for that because there's not really anybody in this division. Uh, the biggest name other than the champ that's left in the UFC is Megan Anderson. And, uh, you know, Spencer dispatched her quicker than she did Dos Santos. Um, he's submitting her in, in uh, under four minutes. So, and, and Megan looked good or like fairly good in her fight, but I don't even know who she was fighting. Um, I have that right in front of me though. So I don't know what you do with Spencer right now because she's pretty much cleared out a division that has nobody in it. Uh, does that justify a title shot? And we don't know what's going on with Amanda Nunez right now. Um, you know, is it worth it for Amanda Nunez to, to fight a girl that's really dangerous on the ground like this and really good at getting fights to the ground? Um, Cause we don't know what uh, Nunez is like off of her back. Really? Nobody's ever really put her in that situation, which makes the fight interesting, but is it really worth it to take that fight? Um, you know, what's with somebody that's an unknown. Um, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, tough call here. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I'd love to see Felicia Spencer versus uh, Megan Anderson. I think that's the only fight to make right now uh, because Felicia Spencer, you know, while I, you know, I'm probably in that boat who has underestimated her, but she's tearing through everybody they put in front of her, man. Um, I, can, I can only think of maybe one fight that she struggled with in the UFC. Um, so I think it's time, Bill. I, I say let's put her to the test. Um, Felicia Spencer, someone who's young, so a setback against someone like me at Anderson, I don't think brings down her stock too much. Um, yeah, but, but they already fought, Jeff. Spencer submitted her in the first round. Oh, well, there you go. Her stock doesn't go down at all because she won. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't. You know, I don't see another fight to make here, Bill. I, I don't think you put Felicia Spencer in the title picture. I think it's way too soon for that. Um, and for Megan Anderson, you know, she just got her third win in a row. So I don't know what you do here, Bill. I think we're at a little bit of a um, kind of a, a bottleneck a bit here at the featherweight division. And, you know, Amanda Nunez, she's basically cleared out the top girls, man. Um so I don't know what you do with this women's featherweight division. Yeah. I think that putting Felicia Spencer in there with um, with Amanda Nunez, I think, is a really bad move. I think it's way too soon. I love Felicia Spencer. Um, what do you think of her fighting? Uh, who's that Mexican wrestler? I forgot her name. Tatiana uh, Suarez. What do you think of that? Or is she a band weight? I forget. Uh, she's a bantamweight, but she's a big girl, so she could probably make she could probably fight at featherweight. Mm. Um, that would be interesting because Suarez has some of the best wrestling credentials of any female fighter. Um, but Spencer's not somebody that you want to take to the ground because she's got some real slick jujitsu. That's an interesting matchup I, I hadn't thought about uh, before. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean it. It's it's tough, man. It's another it's another division where it's like there's nobody here. What do we do? Um, yeah. and, and Amanda Nunez can pretty much call her own shots right now, whether she wants to fight at bantamweight or, or featherweight. So I don't see her being so quick to want to jump in there. You know, she's fought big names in, in her last couple of fights. Uh, you know, she had cyborg, uh, Jermaine Durand to me, not a, not a big name, but that was just because there was nobody else. And then, um, Holly home, uh, 
Ronda Rousey, you know, she's had some high profile fights. So why would she she fight this girl with nine fights? Um, who lost to Cyborg, who who uh Nunez demolished and she's not even in the in the UFC anymore. All right, before we get into some weird stuff here, Jeff. You noticed my hat. Boom. It says boom. So this is this is from a company called Rip Life One. Uh, they're not a sponsor of the show. I want to be candid about that, but uh, they do sponsor a lot of fighters who are friends of the show. So um, the, the owner of the company, his name's Ryan. Good dude. Reached out to me on social media and he said, Hey man, I want to send you some stuff. Cause you know, we've had a, had a bunch of their sponsored fighters on the show. So he sent me some clothes, including this shirt I'm wearing here, American flag on the front. Um, it's got uh, some cool, Cool writing on the back. I'll show you guys. I'll show you guys who are here on YouTube here. There. American flag on the sleeve. Nice. And um their their MMA line is called Team Reaper. And they they do right by the fighters, which is what I really like about them, Jeff. Um, because if they sponsor a fighter, they're giving them a good portion of of the um a good portion of royalties from each sale. Uh, and, and these, these fighters need that, you know, they need somebody who's going to have their back like that because it's tough. It takes a lot of sacrifice to be in this line of work, especially when you're just getting started. And they, they sponsor a lot of amateur fighters like our buddy, Matt Allison, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and they sponsor professional fighters like Dave Redneck Mondell, who's been on the show multiple times. Um, so yeah, big shout out to them. Uh, you can check out their website, riplife1.com. And then obviously you guys are into MMA because you're listening to this show. Uh, check out their MMA line, Team Reaper. It's in uh, the top toggle on that. <clears throat> and, uh, and yeah, go support some of your favorite fighters. Some of them you've seen on this show. Some of them you'll see on this show coming up. And um, and hopefully they'll, they'll continue to, to do cool stuff like that. And, and they make some cool gear too. So go grab some stuff while you know you're supporting the sport that you love because you're listening to this show, which means you love the sport of MMA. So you should be supporting some of the fighters who are part of this sport. So get out there and do it. And um, yeah, the, oh, big supporters of veterans too, which is another reason I like this company. They, they make a lot of donations to, um, to veteran charities, which I always enjoy. Um, so... Let's get let's get a little weird, Jeff. Magomed Ankalaev and Iwan Kutilaba in a light heavyweight contest on this card ended very strangely, uh, just as strangely as it began. Uh, and and I'm kind of still on the fence about how to feel about this one. So maybe you could sway me one way or the other. So. The fight starts off. I'm just going to summarize here. Kutalaba runs across the cage like a maniac, uh, doing his thumb across the throat like, I'm going to kill you. But instead of stopping right in front of Ankalaev, he runs right into him. And Ankalaev kind of like, as soon as he's touched, rightfully so, grabs an underhook and turns Kutalaba into the cage. They have to be separated before the fight even starts. Uh, referee Kevin McDonald was clearly flustered. The fight starts. These guys are are throwing bombs at each other. These are two big, scary, light heavyweights uh, with a lot of power. Um, 
Ankalaev lands or or appears to land three head kicks, and Kutulaba is wobbled, but he claims that he was just kind of rope a doping there. Um, referee steps in while they're still standing, and as he's stepping in, Kutulaba is throwing a big haymaker. Um, he freaks out over the stoppage, which was kind of confusing to everybody watching. Um, puts his hands on the referee, Kevin McDonald, and then continues to throw a tantrum in the cage. Um, like I said, Jeff, I'm on the fence because, um, you know, I don't agree with the stoppage at all, but you know, his behavior before the fight started, it's like, yeah, you kind of got what you deserved here. You got, you got, you got a loss on your record. That's kind of undeserved and kind of shitty, but you kind of did something that was kind of shitty before the fight. And after the fight, you put your hands on a ref. Um, you know, he could get fines from the athletic commission for one, putting his hands on Ankalaya before the fight started. Uh, you just don't do that. You fight within the sanctioned bout. You're about to get into a fist fight legally. There's no reason to touch the guy before the fight happens. And then you put your hands on the referee for stopping the fight. Who's in there for your safety. Granted, it, it was a stupid call. Um, maybe not the best call I've ever seen. Uh, it, it could have been the worst stoppage ever. I, I don't really know where I stand on it because of all the other commotion that went on, but you can't put your hands on the official. You just can't do it. This is a guy that's just, he's here doing a job. He's not here to fight a fucking monster like you. Um, that's a scary thing. Iwan Kutalaba is a scary human being. Yeah. Um, and, and he doesn't need to be putting his hands on people outside of competition to prove that we all know the guy's a fucking monster. Um, so all that kind of distracts from, you know, was it the right call or not? Um, I, I'm, I'm still going to go with, no, it was not the right call, but it it's like, well, you kind of, you kind of deserved it. Uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Oh man, Bill. I uh, see. I'm kind of on the fence about this too. And I think the call was bad, but I see why it was made. Mm -hmm. Kutalaba was clearly out on his feet. He was wobbling around like a giraffe learning how to walk, dude. <laughs> this is what I looked like ice skating the other week, Bill. <laughs> and, and, dude, he just, he didn't have it. And, the, you know, was it a bad stoppage? Yes, but I think that the ref did it taking the fighter's safety in mind. I don't really blame him for the call that he made. And I, I think he could have let it go on a little bit longer. But, Bill, I, I thought he was putting Kutalaba out of his misery here. He, you know, he had taken three really hard leg kicks. The, the first one he took wobbled him. The second one wobbled him again. I think that any more punishment would have been, you know, undeserved. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that the ref could have let it go on. But I, I think I think that if we had let it go on, it, the result would have been the same. It would have been Kutalaba on the floor with uh, Ankaliev standing over him, probably raining down elbows or hammer fists. You know, I, I think the result would have been the same here. I, I think he was heading for a loss, a very yeah. devastating loss of consciousness. <laughs> Like I threw that in there, a little play on words. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah, you could tell Kevin McDonald was kind of flustered at the beginning of this fight, and he yeah. was like, "All right, motherfucker, I got you." And then Kutalaba starts throwing a fit, and McDonald's like, 
shut up, get out. (laughs) (laughs) I think, and I think Kevin was, was the name of the guy from Disney that, that it, that was was ejecting the guy. And Kevin McDonald is the, is the referee coincidence. I think not. (laughs) They're both really bad at ending confrontations. (laughs) um so yeah that's all i got on that i mean i could see where where kevin mcdonald was maybe like being a little spiteful for what happened earlier and and i don't know that i blame him all right uh i'm gonna breeze over the rest of this car jeff i'm gonna throw a whole bunch of shit at you and then um you you tell me what you want to comment on so we can move on to uh breaking down the next pay-per-view here we're going to talk about uh, Megan Anderson, first-round knockout victory over Norma Dumont-Viana. Uh, Grant Dawson, second-round submission win over Derek Minner. Uh, I'm going to skip over a couple of things here. Brendan Allen, first-round KO over Tom Breeze. Elbows and punches ending that one at the end of the first round. Marcin Tabura. Unanimous decision over Sergey Spivak in a very uneventful heavyweight bout, which was kind of the opposite of what we predicted last week. Uh, this was an interesting fight. Luis Pena taking a, a fight against Steve Garcia. Garcia is a featherweight who stepped in at the last minute, who's actually contemplating a move to bantamweight and um, stepped in on less than a week's notice to take this fight against Luis Pena, who's as tough as they come very unorthodox grappling, very unorthodox and explosive striking. It was, it was a dangerous fight for Garcia, but he's like, Hey man, this could be my shot at the UFC. I'm, I'm stepping up and, um, goes the distance with Pena. Pena spent most of this fight on Garcia's back, could not submit him. And Garcia was like wildly striking with Pena while Pena was on his back. I've never seen anything like it. Like they were having, actual punching exchanges while Pena had a body triangle on Garcia and they were going back and forth. Um, it, it wasn't a great fight by any means. Uh, it, it was a little back and forth on the feet. Uh, but most of this fight was Pena on the back of Garcia. And then at one point, I think it was in the third round, Garcia had a really tight triangle locked up on Pena and almost put him out. Uh, but other than that, the rest of this fight was Pena on the back and then, punching each other it was it was so wild jeff i i took a i took a video that I'll, I'll post later on the social media if i remember it um and then we had uh jordan griffin guillotine finish over tj brown uh technical technical submission so i i guess he went unconscious there in the second round and then uh here's an interesting character spike carlisle um they call him the ginger assassin or the ginger soul stealer or something, something with a ginger in it. He's a very strange guy. Um, first round TKO over Alon Cruz, uh, who is a, a phenomenal contender who came off of Dana White's contender series. He had one of the most memorable finishes ever on that show's history is a flying knee um, finish. Go back and watch that if you've never seen it, but Spike Carlisle is a character, and um, I, I have a feeling he'll he'll be getting on a on a main card fairly soon. 
just because he's very animated and very unusual. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, go back and watch the early prelims of this card. Uh, and then uh, Sean Brady beat the fuck out of Ismail uh, Nordiev. Uh, and Nordiev was a favorite in this fight, and it, and it was obvious why in the first round because he won the first round. But then Brady came back and just dominated the grappling the second two rounds. So um, that's everything I got, Jeff. I was watching, uh, I was watching this card in, in the hotel room on, on a uh, hotel Wi-Fi. Uh, so it was a little blotchy and uh, I spent the whole day at Disney. So I had sunburn and I had a lot of alcohol in me. So I, I, I've given you my, <laughs> my summary as, as to the best of my ability. Uh, is there anything you, you want to comment on or anything that, that I left out, Jeff? Um, yeah, just uh, the Tom Breeze versus Brendan Allen fight really stood out to me. It was uh, the only card I had time to catch on the prelims. Um, but, uh, you know, really good fight. Uh, Brendan Allen went in there against a very experienced Tom Breeze who hasn't fought in about two years. This was his first fight back. And, you know, Brendan Allen took it to him. Uh, he you know, he wasn't in awe of Tom Breeze and, you know, just was really able to implement his grappling and combine it with some very, very heavy ground and pound. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so Tom Breeze, um, you know, you know, uh, I think there was a little bit of ring rust in there, but also credit to Brendan Allen. I liked what I saw. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid to get in there and grind it out. He was able to combine uh, his grappling with some mean strikes on the ground. So good for him, man. Um, and I definitely want to check out that Spike Carlisle fight. He seemed like a character, and I like him, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, he's a weirdo, yeah. man. Uh, but, you know, that could be to your benefit in this business, for sure, if you do anything that, that helps you stand out. And uh, he's uh, he's got some some good technique, too. I mean, he, he TKO'd a long cruise as somebody – who I view as one of the top prospects in the division. So um, I, I was impressed, but I was reluctant to be impressed because he's very strange. And um, yeah, but so's Diego Sanchez and everybody likes him. Well, not anymore. Not, not after <laughs> last night. Like, not after he took that, uh, that win the way that he took it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And he did take it. <laughs> Like yeah, he literally took it away from uh, what's that guy's name? Michelle Perea. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then all the stuff like all the interviews with his like life coach that the guy is like, I could kill a man with, with my pinky if I wanted to, or whatever, the, whatever weird shit that guy's been saying. Yeah, it was just a weird dude. Yeah, yeah. So, in any case, uh. Let's let's put a bow on Fight Night 169. Let's move on to UFC 248, which is taking place on Saturday, this coming Saturday, March 7th, the T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada. Middleweight championship on the line. The current champion, the undefeated in mixed martial arts, Israel Adesanya against Yoel Romero. Controversial... Uh, title match here because Romero coming off a loss in a controversial fight over Paulo Costa who should be the number one contender but he's injured and unable to 
take the fight when the UFC wanted it to happen and when the champ wanted it to happen. So the champ is like, hey, I'll fight the next guy in line. The next guy in line happens to be the guy who lost that fight, Yoel Romero. Um, you know, from a marketing perspective, never a bad move to throw Romero in a main event. The guy is a freak of human nature. And um, yeah, it's it's an interesting matchup. Uh, give me your thoughts, Joe. Bill, um, I think your Romero is, dude. Um, if we lived two thousand years ago, people would have thought this guy was the physical embodiment of like Apollo. <laughs> the guy looks like he's chiseled out of stone. Um, he's forty-two, and he's more athletic than I will ever be. Um, silver medalist at the Olympics in 2000, um, lost to Kale Sanderson in the 2004 Olympics, uh, but he's the only man to beat Kale Sanderson twice. So, Bill, I would be very concerned if I were Israel Adesanya because um, Yor Romero has added striking and boxing to his game, which is very unorthodox. You don't know what he's going to hit you with. Mm -hmm. um, he almost killed Chris Weidman. Um, I'm pretty sure he broke um, Luke Rockhold's jaw prior to Jan Blahovich breaking it. Um, Bill, you know, I – and it's nothing against Israel Adesanya. You know, he's a great fighter. Um, his stand-up is vicious. You know, he picks people apart. Um, and he's proven that he can grapple um, pretty well. And when I say pretty well, I mean enough to stay off his back, enough to – keep the fight standing, which is what he wants. So to me, to be able to implement that style of grappling um, to your advantage to, you know, to keep the fight standing, I think that speaks a lot in itself. But Yoel Romero is a different animal, man. Um, and I, I'm trying to look at, you know, the other side of the coin because, you know, Israel Adesanya, he's proven me wrong before, man. I didn't think he was going to beat Kelvin Gashalim. I didn't think he was going to beat Forrest Whitaker. I mean, Robert Whitaker. Forrest um, Whitaker. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he would beat Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like Forrest, yeah. Yeah. Um, Shut up. Uh, get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I didn't think he'd beat Robert Whitaker. Um, so I think Israel Adesanya... Um, for him to take a fight with Yara Romero, who, you know, nobody in the middleweight division wants to fight Yara Romero. Nobody in the light heavyweight division wants to fight Yara Romero. So for him to be taking that fight, he has to see something that maybe nobody else does. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm very interested in this fight. You know, stylistically, it looks like a bad matchup for Adesanya because of how explosive um, Yara Romero's grappling is. And, you know, Bill, we've talked about this before. Romero will kind of slow down up until that third round but in that third round he goes ballistic dude and he puts people um you know he challenges their endurance with the way he mixes up his striking and his very aggressive grappling you know he stays on you like a backpack sometimes mm -hmm. and you never know when that storm is coming so um, I'm really intrigued by this because Adesanya has to see some hole in his game for him to want this fight because nobody else wants it. You know, uh, people in the UFC, you know, they get called up with this fight and they wonder who they've wronged <laughs> to be asked for this fight. So, Bill, I'm really excited for this one. You know, the rest of the card looks awesome, but Israel Adesanya versus Yo Romero, that alone, you're getting your money's worth. Yeah, I'm really interested 
to see what the game plan for each fighter is going to be yeah. because you have two slow starters, but for different reasons. Now, Yoel Romero, and I've talked about this before, he's a slow starter because of his Cuban wrestling background. Cuban wrestlers have a very lazy style. And and I say I use the word lazy very loosely. Um, they have a very relaxed style, and they will give away points uh, in the early goings of a match, which is the complete opposite of everywhere else in the world when it comes to freestyle wrestling and Greco-Roman wrestling. Uh, it's usually fast pace um, from bell to bell in wrestling. But the Cuban style, they give up points in the beginning so that they can explode towards the end. And Yoel has translated that very well to MMA. He makes it seem like he's tired and he's old and he doesn't want to be there and he's broken down. And then just when you think you're getting in a rhythm, he changes the rhythm on you and he'll do it subtly at first. He'll just change up little things like he'll he'll whip you around or he'll just take you down or he'll throw a fucking knee that will crush your skull in half. Um so that's how he's a slow starter. Adesanya, on the other hand, is is a striking technician, and he's a counter-striking technician, which is why his fight with Anderson Silva was very uneventful because they're both kind of counter-strikers, and they were both kind of like trying to play off each other, but they, neither one of them wanted to play each other's games, and it was kind of weird. So what he likes to do is download your patterns hmm. and then react to them. Um, he doesn't like to just react to what you're doing in the moment. He likes to figure out your patterns and then compile a strategy of how he's going to react and then systematically break you down and then try and put you away. The problem with doing that against a guy like Romero is he doesn't really give away any patterns because he's so yeah. relaxed in the beginning of the fight and he does that intentionally. So you can't pick up on what he's doing and then he can explode out of nowhere. Now, the person who wins this fight is either going to be the person who pulls the trigger early and takes a risk or the person who capitalizes on the other person pulling the trigger early and taking a risk. Mm. Um, that's how I see this fight going down. Uh, which way it goes, I have no idea. Um, it, like I said, they're slow starters for different reasons, and I think one of them is going to try and catch the other off guard with a surprise game plan and, and, um, you know, come out aggressive and it may or may not pay off. Um, I, I could see both of them doing that or neither of them will. And it, and it will be kind of a stalemate, uh, until they decide to explode in the later rounds. So this could be a really exciting fight that ends quickly, or it could be a drawn out fight that ends quickly. Either way, I'm excited, Jeff. Yeah, dude. I, dude, um, you know, I wasn't too excited about uh, this past card that we had on Saturday, but Bill, I've been waiting for a couple weeks now for this Adesanya Romero fight. I'm a big fan of Yoel Romero. Um, you know, I think he's doing an awesome job representing the Hispanic community. And the guy's a freak of nature, man. Um, he's 42, and for some reason, he looks exactly the way he did in the year 2000. Yeah. And that's 42 in, in Cuban years. He may be older. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know if you guys listening remember Elian Gonzalez, but he was 13 for, like, 10 years. 
<laughs> yeah. He came over here to play baseball uh, and won like the Little League World Series or something. Um, yeah, so that's an exciting fight. And then the co-main event, Strawweight Championship on the line, Wiley Zhang against the former champ, Ioannia Jacek. Um, and Zhang just seems like she's found her rhythm, man. Like she found her purpose in the UFC and, and it's knocking people out. Uh, hopefully everything went well with her travel getting over here from China, uh, with everything that's going on with this coronavirus, uh, that's, that's setting a lot of things back. And I think she had some issues with her visa, but as far as I know, the fight's on, this is a very interesting matchup, man. Cause here you have Zhang who can end the fight in, uh, in one punch. And you have Yan Jacek who can make this fight miserable for anybody for five rounds. Um, Yan Jacek has more experience going five rounds. Uh, Zhang, I don't believe, has ever fought that long because her only championship fight, she won with a knockout. Um, so this is an interesting one. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, I'm fascinated fascinated by this as well. Um, you know, after watching the UFC countdown episode yesterday, I'm really fascinated by uh, Zhang and her approach to martial arts. She uses traditional um, Chinese martial arts concepts. Uh, like she does push hands Tai Chi, which is a competitive uh, form of Tai Chi. It's a little bit more aggressive. Um and she, uh, I might be misquoting that, but she does uh, this type of aggressive Tai Chi where, you know, she kind of uh, throws her shoulders into it and she uses that in her striking. Um, you know, we've seen her uh, throw vicious elbows and her punches or her hooks are really tight. So I'm really fascinated to see who makes use of the clinch better. Because um, Zhang is a very aggressive in her clinch game. You know, she likes to use uh, moments of separation to throw in really hard elbows and tight hooks. Whereas, um, you know, uh, Joanna is, she likes to use the plum a little bit more, throw some knees in there, tear into the body a little bit. So I'm really excited for this one. Um, I feel like both fighters excel really well in close quarters, you know, and, and it's a little scary because it's going to be about who can make better use of that pocket, you know, who is going to land the harder punches. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned for Zhang here because, you know, she's a great fighter, but she's very muscular bill. And, you know, if we, if there's anything we've learned, it's that the body needs to get blood and oxygen to all those muscles. And that comes at a price. You know, um, you know, more muscular people, they tire out a little bit faster. Um, we know that Joanna's not going to have that problem. You know, Joanna can go 10 rounds if she needs to. Uh, she's done it before when she was champion. She's done it when she challenged Rose again. And, um, you know, if it comes down to cardio, I think, you know, if, it, if it's a long fight, if it goes five rounds, I think it's Joanna. Um, as for Zhang, I think her best bet is to win this fight early and try to put Joanna away. I don't know how easy that's going to be, though. She might just have to sneeze on her, Jeff. She's coming over from China. You don't she know might have to pile driver, you know, um, Andre, um, Jessica Andrade style, just drop her on her head. Problem solved. Hit her with the old Kung flu. Sneeze <laughs> on her. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, Bill, all I want to say is if we're going to joke about the coronavirus is that if I get the coronavirus, I want Lyme disease too, Bill, because I can't have a corona without a Lyme. <laughs> I think they cancel each other out. Um, and I'd be fine. There you go. Yeah, as long as you don't get the Modelo mumps, you'll be all right. <laughs> um, in any case, uh, the rest of this car is looking pretty good, but uh, we're we're hitting that one hour mark where people start to tune out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna breeze over this car, Jeff. Give me. I'm gonna point out the fights that that I think are gonna be good. Give me two that you're interested in, and we'll get in a little into those, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Benil Dariush and Drakkar Close, interesting matchup. Dariush, uh, excellent grappling. Drakkar Close. Uh, very straightforward style striker. Neil Magny, Jingliang Li. Uh, this is uh, Li's first fight in the United States, I believe. He's been on pretty much every car that's taken place in China. Uh, feel free to correct me on that, anybody listening. Uh, but I, I do think that this is his first fight in the States. Alex Cowboy, Oliveira, and Max Griffin. Very interesting matchup because you have the looping Muay Thai style of Oliveira against the straight-down-the-pipe punches of Max Griffin, that point-style fighting that's that's um, done well for him in his UFC career. Uh, and then we got Jose Quinones against the undefeated Sean O'Malley, who has been a superstar since the Dana White's Contender Series, but um, tested positive by USADA. It turned out to be some kind of tainted supplement issue and a whole big mess. He hasn't been around for a while, but... He's fighting on this card against Jose Quinones, who uh, you know has been in the UFC for a little while now. Uh, the undefeated Rod Rodolfo Vieira against Saperbeck Safarov. That'll be a fun one. Uh, one I'm looking forward to, Gerald Mearshart against Duran Wynn. Uh, Duran Wynn, I believe, trains with Daniel Cormier. Huge wrestling credentials. Uh, missed weight in his UFC debut, so we'll see how this goes. Emily Whitmire against Pollyanna Vienna. And that's it. Give me two, Jeff. Oh, man, Bill, this is kind of a tough one. I got to give you three here um, because I – um, um, these fights just look great to me. Uh, Benil Dariush versus Drakkar Close. I think that one's going to be a barn burner. I think that somebody is getting knocked out in that one. Both of these guys are very aggressive strikers, not afraid to push forward. Um, you're not going to see too many steps back from either of these guys. So I'm really excited for that one. Mm-hmm. Really excited for Neil Magny versus Lee Jingliang. Um, Neil Magny is someone who I feel like kind of needs to redeem himself here a little bit. He's been quiet. Uh, he hasn't really had too many standout performances. And, Bill, I think you're right. I think this is Lee Jingliang's first fight outside of uh, China as well as his first fight uh, in the United States. So I think you hit the uh, I think you hit the mark there. Um, Li Jingliang is a tough dude, man. Hard to put away. Um, you know he's going to move forward with pressure. Uh, you know a big striker in Li Jingliang, but Neil Magny's got that military toughness, man. Uh, so I'm really excited for that one as well. Um, and I'm excited for Alex Oliveira versus Max Griffin. Um, I feel like. 
you can't count either of these guys out. You know, two very tough dudes. Max Griffin, known more for his boxing and stand-up skills, but we've seen some very good grappling out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he mixes it really well with his uh, boxing orthodox style. So I'm excited to see which one either um, takes advantage of the stand-up or uh, who is going to be unafraid to mix in some grappling. Um but Alex Oliveira is not someone you want to get close to, man. If you get too close to him, he likes to use that clinch, likes to throw in knees and elbows. So I'm curious to see how Max Griffin goes about um, that strategy. Is he going to go straight down the pipe and, you know, kind of get out of the way here? Is he going to be touch and go? Or is he going to, you know, get in Oliveira's face and try to grapple him a little bit? So really excited for those three fights, Bill. And they're all on the main card. Yeah, man. It's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to this card. Um, I am uh, exhausted from three days at Disney World. Uh, This episode has been brought to you by Eagle Rare, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. And as usual, I say it has been brought to you by, not for the fact that they sponsor the show, but for the fact that um, that's what I've been drinking before during and what i'll be drinking after the show uh i've been sipping this i I started sipping it on the rocks but then i finished it there were no more rocks so i've been drinking it neat eagle rare of course comes out of the buffalo trace distillery in kentucky you guys all know i'm a big fan of buffalo trace but i try not to be i tried to wean myself off of it because it's so hard to find especially in florida um they of course make blanton's bourbon uh, which is one of my favorites, Colonel Taylor, another one of my favorites, and of course Buffalo Trace, uh, and a, a myriad of other things as well. But um, good, good sipping bourbon. This Eagle Rare, it's a little more on the strong side, um, but for the price point, you can't you can't really get a more of a bang for your buck for a ten year aged bourbon. Uh, it gets a nice caramel color to it. It's got that buffalo trace signature sweetness to it um just a little a uh, little more alcohol on the palate so if you like your drink strong uh eagle rare is the way to go and if you don't it may be the way to go as well you just throw a couple ice cubes in there a little bit of water um we've been through a lot jeff um anything else you want to get off your chest even though we we passed that hour mark where a lot of people check out no, Bill, um, you know, I think that the UFC has been off to a little bit of a slow start this year. I think that the best card so far has been uh, that Jones-Dominic Reyes card. Um, maybe it's because it was so recent, but I just remember really enjoying that card. And uh, I, I think that this weekend's card, I think it's one to not miss. I think it's going to be really good. I think it's really going to deliver a lot of good fights. Uh, you know, my recommendations are from the main card, but I liked a lot of the fights on the prelims too. Um, you know, just overall, it's looking like a really good card. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right. We'll leave it at that. Um, another quick shout out to Rip Life One, Team Reaper, um, for sending me some sending me some gear here that I've been wearing throughout the show. Uh, it's a really comfortable t-shirt, Jeff. I feel like I could fall asleep. Uh, right in this chair here. Nice cotton t-shirt. Real soft. Do I have uh, a tag? tag? I don't like tags, Bill. No, no tag. They're all tagless. Nice. Um, it, it doesn't even have anything printed on the inside. Um, 
So that's nice too. I got to see how, how, uh, how it feels after I wash it a couple times. Um, in any case, yeah, go check them out um, and support some of the fighters who have been on this show and some of them who haven't been on this show. Go support fighters. Uh, do whatever you can to support the fighters. Um, I, I care less if you guys support me um, because I, I wouldn't have the ability to do this if uh, people weren't stepping up to the plate and getting in that cage. Um, so, you know, let, let them know that you support them and, and buy their T-shirts and, and stuff. Um, and a shout out to Eagle Rare too, because I like that whiskey. Even though they don't pay me anything to say that, they pay Joe Rogan. But you know, I guess I'm not at that level yet, Jeff. Um, we'll get a picture there, Bill. <laughs> yeah, one day. I actually blame Joe Rogan. He's probably the reason we can't find fucking Buffalo Trace anywhere because people who don't even like whiskey are going out and buying it. And um, but that's all right because I got some I got some other whiskeys to tell you guys about in the coming weeks. Uh, I've been doing some some research for the show. In any case, if you want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And Instagram. Don't forget the animals on Instagram now. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can send me an email, MMA on the Rocks, gmail.com. You can go to the website. You can reach me that way. I'm really easy to get a hold of, guys. So reach out. Let's talk some fights. Let's talk some booze. Until next time, shut up. Get out. Cheers, everybody. Bye. <laughs>